Hey, what's up everybody? Luke here. I haven't done an episode in quite a while. I actually moved to a new apartment and the room was super echoey and my old microphone was picking up quite a lot of that. So I didn't really want to make a low audio quality recording because personally I find that super, super annoying. But I got a new dynamic microphone and that means it picks up a lot less background noise and so hopefully the sound quality is pretty good here. So in terms of news, what's going on from... My perspective, new stuff I'm working on. I'm actually thinking about doing a course around how to write your own training program. I think that would be super, super handy. I get a lot of people asking me if I just write training programs in isolation and things like that, but it's not really something I like doing too much. And I thought it might just be really handy to give you the tools to do that yourself. And you don't necessarily have to pay someone to write you a new training phase every single time if that's all you're looking for. So with that said, uh, I wouldn't mind a bit of input on this because I obviously have some ideas around what I think would be useful, but ultimately the people listening are probably going to be the ones who are potentially purchasing and using it. So what I'd like to know is a couple of things about a potential product or uh, a course around teaching you how to write your own training program. So I'll leave a link to a Google form. Uh, I'll put, I think, two or three questions. I actually asked on my Instagram uh, if people would prefer a course format where, for example, you had either just really like longer videos that go into a lot of depth on each topic or whether they would prefer shorter to the point videos and then maybe a bit more explanation of the nuances in a bit of an article that accompanies the, the video. And it was, it was a little bit split, but about two-thirds of people preferred option B with a shorter, more to-the-point video. And I think I'm probably leaning in that direction, but I'd love to hear your opinion. So anyway, have a look at the description of this episode for a link to a Google form, just asking you one or two questions about that. I'll, I'll mention it again at the end in case you forget. But anyway, with the concept of program design in mind, I thought this episode, what I might do is talk a little bit more about exercise selection. It's something that I feel is kind of, could be categorized as the most important thing in your training program if you look at it in a certain way, or it could be one of the least important things depending on how you approach the problem. But, you know, one of the things that I've been talking about more recently on my social media, which is something that I'm sort of trying to live my life by, I suppose, is this subtractive mindset where... I try and make sure not to overcomplicate things too much or to add in too much redundancy or to just complicate things without really getting too much for my investment of effort. Like I think there has to be a pretty solid return on my investment of time or effort uh, or you know financial contribution for something to be really worthwhile. And often I think you know when we when we complicate things, when we add too much to a training program. Uh, or, or a nutrition plan or anything like that. Geez, it, sometimes you don't get that much out of it and sometimes it's even worse. And I think we just have this natural instinct to want to add the next thing and add the next thing and what am I missing when often we can actually improve our training by simply subtracting a lot of the things that are distracting us from what really matters. Like, for example, just training hard and selecting good quality exercises that do what they need to do and aren't particularly fancy. So uh, I guess I want to talk about exercise selection through that lens, but I'll start with specificity because what I started with was saying 
look, exercise selection could be the most important thing that actually happens in a training program, or it could be one of the least important, depending how you look at it. If you look at it through the lens of specificity, exercise selection is really what the entire training program is about. Specificity is a principle that basically states that you need to train for the specific outcome that you want. That means if you want to get stronger in a particular lift, then you should probably do that lift. If you want to run faster, you should probably run. If you want to get good at playing footy, you should play footy. Um, That is a concept that sometimes people miss a little bit of because they try and mix and match a bunch of different elements without thinking about the specific outcome that they want from their training. And specificity doesn't just relate to exercise selection. It relates to how you set up the entire training program. So that could be a entire podcast in itself but in the context of exercise selection it means that most of your exercises should reflect either the body parts that you want to train the specific movement patterns you want to get better at or the specific lift that you want to get better at in the example of something like a powerlifting competition for example the closer you get to the competition the more specific your exercise selection should be if you are say 12 weeks away from a powerlifting meet, it's probably reasonable to be doing things like leg presses or leg extensions. But by the time you're maybe three weeks out, I wouldn't really expect those exercises to play a massive role, if any, in a training program. And so depending on that principle of specificity, you could say, well, leg presses don't belong in a powerlifting program because they're not specific to, to squatting or they're not specific enough to squatting. But on the other hand, you might say, well, you know, if I'm in the off season and I'm six weeks away from or six months away from a competition, then it makes perfect sense. Now for physique training, exercises should be selected based on how they suit the individual and which muscle groups need the most focus. With that in mind, you know, you can sort of segment different movement patterns and muscle groups and you can start to group exercises together in the movement patterns that they train like you know squatty type movements hip hinge movements vertical pushing and pulling horizontal pushing and pulling uh, maybe like some isolation movements Uh, you could also think about how exercises hit different body parts You could say this is a back exercise, this is a chest exercise, arms, legs, shoulders, and that can be quite a general categorization. You could get even more specific by saying this is a quad exercise or a hamstring exercise or glutes or delts. But one of the main things we need to remember is that most exercises will use multiple muscle groups. So for example, a squat is not just a quad exercise, it's not just a glute exercise, Uh, it involves your adductors as well. And there are a bunch of other muscles involved too that aren't going to necessarily be directly stimulated by a squat. But you should know the main muscle groups that you're using in an exercise. And you should understand that some muscles are only going to contribute partially and maybe these shouldn't be factored in too much. So for example, your hamstrings contract when you squat, but you're not directly training the hamstrings to get stronger or bigger when you squat. And you should also know that any compound movement can be altered to bias a certain muscle or group of muscle fibers, depending on how you set it up. Now, that doesn't mean that if I, for example, 
do a quad dominant squat that the glutes are not being stimulated anymore or the adductors are not being stimulated anymore. And there seems to be this sort of reductionist viewpoint that's a little bit pervasive on social media at the moment. Some people get really excited to learn that, hey, I can make my uh, my dumbbell pressing more pec-oriented or I can make my lunges more glute-oriented or whatever it is. And they don't sort of recognize that like, hey, it doesn't mean that you're removing the action of all of the other primary muscle groups in that exercise. So we just need to be aware of that. But we also need to understand that like, hey, we can actually bias some of these things depending how we execute it. With that in mind, I think that there are certain exercises that are just kind of what I would describe as like A+, pretty much always going to be good exercises to be using for a certain muscle group. Uh, it's going to be really hard to ignore something like a leg curl for training knee flexion or training your hamstrings, right? It's going to be really hard to ignore something like uh, any kind of squat pattern for training your quads, particularly if it's set up in such a way that your knee travels through a large range of motion. Um, that means things like leg presses or um, split squats or regular squats, like those are all going to be really good quad exercises. And when you're coming up with like extra exercises to do on top of that, you kind of have to ask yourself, well, are these exercises really doing something that a good squat or a good leg curl or a good like hip hinge is not giving me? Uh, and, and so this comes down to kind of thinking through like, okay, what's kind of my my baseline A tier exercises that work really well for me that I have the equipment for, um, that I can easily progress. And then from there, you might have some extra stuff that you throw in on top, but they're not put in purely, you know, out of variations sake, but because they suit a particular purpose. So let me talk a little bit more about that. Variety is important, right? Variety is pretty important for optimal development in hypertrophy training because each exercise stresses the muscle slightly differently. We often think of muscles as just like, yeah, this muscle contracts, but a muscle is actually made up of lots of different muscle fibers and they all have a slightly different orientation and fulfill a slightly different role. And anytime we do an exercise uh, that might kind of have the same general pattern, like a hip hinge, but we load it differently, like maybe doing a good morning has a bit of a different emphasis than doing a Romanian deadlift, which has a bit of a different emphasis than doing something like a straddle lift or a back extension. All of these different exercises are fundamentally training the hamstrings, the glutes, and the lower back. They're all hip hinge exercises, but they each stress those muscles in a different way. The different resistance profiles of these exercises require different muscle recruitment patterns. They each have their own pros and cons in terms of how much stability they provide, how easy they are to set up, how easy they are to progress or regress. And I think it's important to have some variation of things like resistance profiles and exercises that hit the same muscle groups for optimal development in hypertrophy because we have seen in the research that regional hypertrophy can occur. Different parts of the same muscle will grow differently depending on which part of the exercise is most difficult. Now, if this concept of like resistance profiles is something that you haven't heard before and you're a little bit confused right now, let me just explain it quickly. Whenever you perform an exercise, there's an easier part of the movement and a harder part of the movement. If you were to do a bicep curl, a regular sort of dumbbell bicep curl, you would find that at the bottom, 
The exercise is challenging, but that's not its most challenging point typically. As you curl the dumbbell up, whenever your arm reaches parallel to the floor is where it's gonna be most challenging because of the biomechanics of the movement. That's where the lever is longest and that's where gravity exerts as its greatest force on the dumbbell in your hand. As you go through that middle point and you curl up towards the, the top of the movement, it starts to become a little bit easier again. This is really, really easy to feel on isolation movements. Another example would be something like a dumbbell lateral raise. You probably all know that the hardest part of that movement is at the top, right? Again, as we raise the dumbbell up, we get to the top of the exercise where our arm is parallel with the floor and that's where the lever is longest, that's where gravity acts the most on the load, and that's where the exercise is toughest. So that's what we call a resistance curve. And that means that certain parts of the movement are gonna be harder than others. Uh, we could use the same movement pattern, but with a different implement, and that could cause a different resistance profile or a different resistance curve doing a lateral raise with a cable feels a bit different to doing a lateral raise with a dumbbell. It trains the same muscle group, it's the same general movement pattern, but the points at which that exercise is hardest is actually different between the two. And that means that the way that the exercise stresses the muscle is slightly different between the two. We get a different muscle recruitment pattern. So that sort of variation is important, but uh, just to come back to the point I was making before, there's going to be some exercises that are just kind of your go-tos, your A+. Uh, you have to have a really, really good reason to try and replace those with other exercises. So when we think about replacing an exercise, we have to think that variety is important for optimal development in muscle growth, but variety can also interfere with progression because unfamiliar movements don't work as well for muscle growth when we're not as skilled with them. When you have to change an exercise and sort of get used to it again and build up how much load you can use with it and that sort of stuff, that's a period of time where you're kind of not getting your most productive training. It doesn't mean that you're not making any progress then, it's just not as productive as if you were to stick with a more familiar exercise. Um, if you chop and change exercises too often, it's basically what I'm saying is it's difficult to assess progress and it's difficult to continue to make progress that way. Uh, we also need to think about, you know, the, the practicality of that and exercises we enjoy. So whenever we make a change, I think that there should be a good reason for making that change. That might be something to do with like feeling a bit stale with the exercise or needing to hit another part of the resistance profile because you've been doing the same variations for a long time, something along those lines. But it might also just be that like, hey, I actually find this exercise fun uh, and it's still highly stimulative. Like if I had a choice between doing a hack squat or a pendulum squat, um, I might just go, look, I just prefer the pendulum squat. I just think it's funner and therefore I'm gonna choose that. And that's still a good reason to, to choose something. It's not the only reason, but it's still a good reason. Those are both really good options for training your quads. So anything that you do in terms of exercise selection should have a really solid reason behind it. And I think that probably a lot of people, if they were to go through their exercise selection in a particular training phase might find like, uh, I've actually got a lot of exercises here that I've thrown in just because I'm kind of afraid of missing out and not doing this for a phase or two. Really, really common to see where, particularly with glutes, I, I gotta say it, 
I train quite a lot of women and obviously the the goal for a lot of them is to build bigger glutes. And when they see a lot of different exercises being used online, there tends to be this sort of fear of missing out where, you know, if I'm not doing these three different hip thrust variations or, you know, side clams uh, and lunges and good mornings and back extensions, etc., there tends to be this fear of missing out on like somehow I'm not going to be covering everything that I should be covering. And it's important to realize that you don't have to do everything in a single training phase and that variety and variation can be important for developing big glutes, but sometimes there's just going to be exercises that are the best. And if you're going to be doing three different variations of a hip thrust in one training program, I'd probably challenge you and say like, there's probably just one of them that's going to be perfectly fine and perfectly effective. And it might just be better to double down on that variation and get the most that you absolutely can out of that to start with and then go from there. Again, it's about that subtractive mindset. Can I get roughly the same result or maybe even a better result by doing like not adding so much by doing less even that could be a good mindset to get into because it means that you never put anything in that doesn't serve a specific purpose. Now, it also depends whenever we talk about anything programming wise, any of the training variables, whether it is load or rep range or rest periods or training splits or exercise selection, all of those things are somewhat interdependent on each other, which is really one of the main things I kind of want to get across uh, in a course just to kind of explain how all of these things rely on each other and how you can synthesize like a a good training phase because sometimes an exercise selection will make perfect sense in context and other times it's going to be really strange and kind of actually just maybe not be a good choice at all. So to give an example, if I were to do a really high rep sort of training phase, maybe it's a bit more metabolic in nature. So I'm doing higher rep ranges. I'm doing shorter rest periods, that kind of thing. In those situations, doing a lot of single leg exercises can often not be such a good idea or single limb exercises, I should say. And the reason is because if you have to do, say, 15 reps with a slow tempo on an exercise, it just takes freaking forever to get through it if you have to do two separate limbs. And as people get more and more fatigued, their stability starts to be compromised because they're just tired, right? So you know, maybe doing sets of 15 or 20 Bulgarian split squats is just not really going to be that realistic. And it might just be better to throw someone onto something like a leg press where the stability is taken care of for them. All they have to concentrate on is just pushing through the plate and getting the work done instead of trying to balance themselves. And, you know, their grip is starting to give out because they're having to hold these dumbbells for so long and that kind of thing. Now, in any other context, selecting a Bulgarian split squat to train your quads and your glutes might be a really, really great idea and it might be a perfect exercise selection. And so you can kind of see that in some contexts, it might be better to select certain exercises compared to others. Overall, they're not sort of good or bad exercises. They just kind of fit a role for us in a particular training phase. Um, You can go the other way and say, okay, if I'm doing a really strength-oriented sort of session uh, or training phase and I'm going to be lifting really low reps finding an exercise that provides a high degree of sort of safety and stability is also a really good idea. So to give an example, um, I've previously, for example, programmed things like dumbbell presses over a barbell barbell bench press in a strength phase, which kind of seems a bit counterintuitive to start with, but from a logistical perspective, 
if someone doesn't have anybody to spot them on a bench press or, and they don't have adequate like safety rails or something like that, it might just purely be impractical to be doing a strength phase where someone might fail a rep or misgroove it. They could hurt themselves or you know, that's obviously worst case scenario and probably another scenario that's not quite as bad but still not amazing is if you simply have some fear of failing on an exercise and then you lift kind of within yourself and you're a little bit conservative. Um, that's going to counteract the whole point of a strength phase where you're trying to lift heavy, as heavy as you can, right? And produce as much force as you can. So in that situation, doing something like a dumbbell press, although it is a little bit less stable and a bit harder to get into position, might actually be a reasonable choice because if someone fails a rep, they can quite easily bail out of it. Um, you could make the argument as well that maybe using a dumbbell press is probably not a good idea in that situation because it's too awkward to get big dumbbells into a safe position to begin the movement and they're a little bit less stable. So I think just kind of thinking through that stuff and understanding that, hey, depending on the goal of the training session and depending on the goal of the training phase, different exercise selections are going to be more or less suited to that and therefore again there's not necessarily like a perfect exercise for a particular body part it's more that there are a variety of good options for us we just want to try and choose the best one and it has to make sense there has to be some kind of logic behind it so you should be able to kind of point to anything on your training program and go well why'd you choose that i chose it because of xyz why did you choose that over the other options? Well, there should also be a good explanation there as well. Anyway, I can't really cover absolutely everything relating to exercise selection, but this is more to just kind of serve as a little bit of a taster as to the types of things I would like to talk about in a course, the things I would like to address. This was actually all completely off the top of my head. It wasn't structured at all, so hopefully it kind of made sense and it didn't ramble around too much. Um, but a little bit of food for thought is always good. I, I think I always like to not try and give all the answers, so to speak, because when we program, there are many ways to skin a cat. There's lots of different effective ways of training and being able to kind of think for yourself and how it applies in your own situation, in your own context is, is a really big part of this whole thing. So anyway, if you enjoyed it, I'd love any feedback. I'll leave my email below. You can let me know. Also, if you would share it, that would be great. I've had a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast and I'd love to get people listening again and, and recognizing that like, hey, actually there's a podcast out now. Uh, that would be really cool. And just a reminder that uh, I am seriously thinking about putting this course together. I've got a bunch of material already, um, but I just need to make sure that it's in the format that is going to be most useful to you. So... If you wouldn't mind just visiting that link in the description to fill out the Google form and give me some feedback, that way I can get together the best possible product for you and I can start getting to work. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I'll catch you in the next episode.